You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. If you are listening to this episode, then we have some very good news for you. Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic. And uh, like Fran said, if you're listening to this, I just became a dad. Congratulations, yeah. Tom. Congr- actually, actually, is it bad news to say that ahead of time? Since you're actually, <laughs> as of right now, you're not a dad. Yeah, yeah. Is that bad? So Maybe right I shouldn't say it's, that. It's May 21st, so uh, we're at 37 weeks. We probably have a few more weeks to wait, but we didn't want to run into a situation where we had someone scheduled and uh then i wasn't here because i was at the hospital or i got the phone call in the middle <laughs> of the, the yeah. recording and uh and i had to leave in the middle <laughs> so it was getting close and it, it's hard to plan that yeah. so we had we kind of did this this one ahead of time and we mm-hmm. have it in the bank so yeah. when it happens this is the the congratulatory podcast yeah, yeah. for tom so so but um uh, where, where where were we fran oh yeah <laughs> 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 this but, one's uh, going to be this one's going to be fun. Yeah. I, I have a feeling this one's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. But um, so as you guys know, the Native Plant Healthy Planet podcast is presented by Pinelands Nursery. And while we bur- both work there, we uh, we kind of keep it in the background. That's not really our mission. Our mission was connect listeners with a lot of these really great groups that are, are doing so many things for the environment using native plants. Um, we wanted you guys to connect with them on social media, volunteer time with them when that's allowed. Once we're not social distancing anymore. Uh, or donate money uh really we wanted you to get involved because we get to work with some of these great groups and they rely on that volunteer time or charitable dollars and um and we want them to be successful and that that revolves around you and we have a very good following on social media but we're also a wholesale nursery so a lot of the people that follow us we don't actually Mm -hmm. get to do business with so we thought it was a great opportunity to connect our following on social media with some of these great organizations that we deal with. Um, and it gives us an opportunity to talk to these people other than work-related. So yeah. it's a nice little break yeah. for us, too, just to kind of learn more about them. Yeah, but anyway, today we're bending that rule. So. We are. Yeah. We're throwing <laughs> we, it right out the window. We have different guests uh, <laughs> on today. And, um, and we really want to talk about the nursery because, uh, as many of you know, we're 100% native plant nursery, and, and um, it has a really cool history. And... Uh, so that's why we brought on today's guests, and um, they're both the founders of Pinelands Nursery. They're native plant enthusiasts, and at the time that you're listening to this, they're going to be brand new, or brand new grandparents. So, <laughs> mom and dad, go ahead and introduce yourselves. I'm Suzanne, and I'm Don, and your your positions, if if you will. Yeah. Well, I'm currently the president of Pinelands Nursery. And I'm retired from Pinelands Nursery. You're the, the, our, our immediate past president. Yeah. So. so, yeah, we have our boss and ex-boss in the room. And so. my parents. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we got to be really careful with this one. It's got to go well. It, it will go well. So one of, the, one of the first things we wanted to ask, besides what made you decide to start the nursery, you both give different accounts as to what year the nursery started, which I found interesting. So I wanted to kind of hash this out now. Like, <laughs> when did the nursery start? Well, the real starting date <laughs> was in 1983. Okay. All right. Suzanne dis- disputes that. She says 1984. <laughs> so what – it 
regardless, 1983, 1984, what made you – how did the nursery start? What made you decide that, hey, we're going to start a native plant nursery? Well, the original derivation of me growing native plants dates way back to when I was working for the uh, New Jersey Bureau of Forest Management on a U.S. Forest Service project. I was in New Lisbon, New Jersey, and I had a greenhouse there. I was working on a pitch pine, loblolly pine hybrid project, and my immediate supervisor from New Jersey was a, a wonderful man by the name of Otto Kunkel. And if anybody ever met him, I'm sure you hold him in very, very high regard. He has passed away probably 20 years ago. Anyway, uh, he wanted to buy some blueberry plants. We were down in New Lisbon, which is in uh, blueberry country. So for people that have never been to New Lisbon, New Jersey, there's nothing there, right? It's, there's it's not a whole lot. <laughs> so I lived in a bunkhouse, a uh, CCC bunkhouse in New Lisbon, and uh, he wanted to buy, get some blueberries that he was going to give away for presents. So we went to a nursery uh, by the name of Ammons Nursery, a wonderful uh, operation. They're still there today, correct? They're still there today. Yeah. I believe Al, the, Al, the father, has passed away. His uh, son and daughter... Al Jr. and Kathy still run the operation. Okay. And I believe his wife may have passed away as well. Anyway, we went and uh, we went there. We bought some blueberry plants that he was going to uh, plant back at his home. And I decided, why don't I buy a few blueberry plants too? And so I, I bought a few plants. And then uh, back in those days, Suzanne and I used to go to Ag Field Day. That was a big part of uh, Rutgers with. Uh, the New Jersey Folk Festival. And you're both Rutgers. We're both Rutgers, Rutgers graduates. And we met uh, some friends there, and they were just raving about, uh, they had a plant display, and they are raving about how many plants they had sold. It was like 9 o'clock in the morning. We sold a couple thousand dollars worth of plants. And it gave me the idea, geez, I'm growing blueberry plants. What if I brought blueberry plants here the following year? Maybe I could sell them. So that is the original idea for Pinelands Nursery. So the next year I bought a bunch of blueberry plants. I already had a greenhouse that I could um, pot them up and grow them on in. So I bought plants and potted them up, brought them to Ag Field Day with Suzanne. I think our kids were not even the, a memory at that wow. time or a thought. We were not even married yet. Wow, okay. okay. I didn't realize that. Good, we didn't have kids then either, right? <laughs> okay. So, so I, went, I had these plants, went to Ag Field Day, and I think I've had 200 plants, and we're selling them very quickly. And the, I believe the same nursery that uh, raved about how well they were doing, uh, they wanted to buy the rest of them from us from a wholesale price. So we sold a bunch wholesale to these guys, and we were cleaned out. That gave me the idea. I said, geez, if this nursery wants to buy them, maybe I could wholesale blueberry plants to other nurseries and garden centers. And the next year, we bought more blueberries, and we potted them up. And I knocked on a lot of doors, went to various garden centers, and lo and behold, people said yes, that they wanted to buy plants. Because at that time, if you wanted to buy a blueberry plant, typically it would come in a, a little cardboard box, bare root plant wrapped in some peat moss. And if the garden center didn't sell it within a month or two, it would die. Okay. And I was selling them potted plants that if they didn't sell it, they could hold on to it. Well, that worked out very nicely, and uh, pretty soon I was knocking on other doors. I went to some big garden center chains. Back then it was Acadian Gardens, if you're from Philadelphia, you might remember that. And then also I went to Flower Time, 
And flower time, uh, they were out in Long Island, based in Long Island at, at that particular point. And they liked the idea. And not only did they want me to grow blueberries, they said, can you grow raspberries? Can you grow blackberries? Can you grow grapes? And gradually, we started growing lots and lots of small fruit plants. And within a few years, we were selling to is it, is it 73 different stores mm-hmm. in about uh, 12 or 13 states. Wow. And so, Mom, what were you doing during this time? Well... I will take it back to 1983. Yes, we did go back to add field day and sell blueberry plants. Um, but it was in 1984 when we were when the um, landscaper brought the rest of our blueberries at Ag Field Day. And by the way, this dispute is the reason why I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> and so we um, uh <clears throat> that's when we really had the idea to market to landscapers and garden centers. And we registered as a business in 1984. And I can remember the day before our wedding, we were at our apartment, we were waiting for a furniture delivery, and we were had this nice flyer done made up, and we were folding them and putting them in envelopes and getting them ready for a mailing. So Now, at this point, was it a full-time, like when you're selling to 73 stores, is it a full-time nursery at this point? Is it, are you, st- now, Suzanne, you were still working I was job. working in New York City in telecommunications. Were you still a forester at that point? Um, I had been offered a position at Rutgers as okay. a um, instructor, an adjunct professor. Okay. So I was teaching forestry classes. But as the forest and nursery goes, it was still just the two of you, correct? Just the two so of us. go through a, a day of what life was like for you at that point. Well, with, with selling to that many stores. I'm skipping a, a few points here, but okay. we initially, when we started out, you know, I was working for uh, the Forest Service and then Rutgers, and this was um, gradually the business built over time. Okay. And eventually, it got to the point where I could no longer stay at Rutgers and, and do the, the business. Yeah. So I resigned my position at Rutgers. Awesome. Awesome. So, and that, how many years into that was that, you think? We had already moved to Columbus at that point, and there were a couple yes. years you were working up in New Brunswick, but. So, we moved here in 87, so probably 88, 89, something okay. like that. So, at that point, I stopped po- working at Rutgers. At that point, you had to have the conversation like, this is, we see potential in this to be bigger yeah. than. And I had a very wealthy wife who was making lots of money <laughs> in New York City, so I could just hang out and you know putt around, growing a few plants. <laughs> and what year was Tom born? Tom was born in 1989. Okay, so yeah. right about that time, you made that decision. So, mm-hmm. so what was life like at that point? Like, go through a day because it was just the two of you, correct? Well, Suzanne continued working until. What year was that? You were, had a full-time job in New York, Pro- and then you worked in Mount Laurel for a while. Then I, my job, um, I got a new position in Mount Laurel, and I worked there. And after Tom was born, I was able to work part-time for a few years. So I'd say in about 1993, wow. I stopped working outside okay. the mm-hmm. home and the business. But, but you were, Don, you were potting, delivering, loading. Yes. It was the, the, the full gambit. So it was. And then we uh, we hired a few local kids to work okay. for us. And we have an interesting story. There's a, a lovely young lady that we hired. 
and she asked if uh, she could, if we could hire her friends. So we hired a couple of these fellas, and I happened to talk to the police chief. We were new in town, so I mentioned to the police chief, yeah, we started out, and I just hired this person and this person and this person. He said, fire them immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, uh, the fellas at least had less than stellar reputations. I think a couple of them were involved in homicides oh. in one form or another. <laughs> So that was <laughs> so uh, okay. So here's so, a, so how do you how do you knowing that how do you fire that person and not be fearful? Oh, I didn't. That I didn't fire. You them. didn't they, fire them. We we need it. We're desperate. Yeah. And a typical day after we got going, when we started selling initially, we we're selling to I think it was about thirteen flower time stores in Long Island okay. and Connecticut, and I think one or so in Massachusetts. And a typical day would be that I would get up about four o'clock in the morning, I'd hop in the truck, which is preloaded, I'd go to the furthest point on my route, and I would wait till the store opened up, and then I would unload myself usually, because wow. the, a lot of times the, uh, the truck drivers, they did not want to unload, and they'd have to wait for the employee, store employees to unload, but I needed to get a move yeah. on, so I would, uh, just volunteer, give me the carts, and I put all my plants on the carts, I got them to sign, and I would hit the next store. So I could hit maybe three or four stores, and my goal at that point was to go, if I'm out on uh, Long Island or up in Connecticut, was to go across the George Washington Bridge <laughs> early enough that I didn't get stuck in rush hour traffic. And if I did that, I'd come back, and then I'd have the, the kids were here. We already had the plants were growing. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the kids were here, and they'd help me load the truck up again, and I would keep doing that day after day after day until I got stuck in traffic on the Cross Bronx, which is a pain. And then um, we'd, I'd have kind of a day off. You know, I okay. would, could sleep a little bit later, and the whole thing would start over the next time uh, I had a loaded truck and got up at four wow. in the morning. Now you could have easily have followed that trajectory with what you were doing, but it, it's changed. Obviously those days are a lot different than what Pinelands Nursery or how we operate today. So at some point you stopped doing the grapes and yep. things like that and the focus shifted. How, well, did, how did that happen? Well, the reason for that was I have a lot of friends in the nursery industry and I joined the New Jersey, back then it was a, uh, NJAN, New Jersey Association of Nurserymen, and I had friends saying, Don, watch out. Those garden center chains, they go bankrupt. Don't have all your eggs in one basket. And at that point, I did. So I figured, geez, I might want to uh, diversify a little bit. And at that same time, I was now working at Rutgers. Okay. And whenever, and this is around the time when the Pinelands Preservation Act was uh, put in place, and whenever somebody would call up and say, hey, where do I buy uh, pitch pines or where do I buy mountain laurels, uh, the secretaries in the office, they would always divert the calls to me. Okay. And I said, well, I'll try Princeton Nursery, this and that. But it put the idea in my head that, yeah, there's a market out there. I can start growing indigenous plants to the Pinelands. And that's part of where Pinelands Nursery came from, uh, you know, because we were growing a lot of indigenous plants, blueberry okay. being indigenous. And if, if you think about it, garden time or flower time became Frank's and then went bankrupt and went out of business. Right. So, and that was your main – so had you not done that, things could have right. easily went differently. Yeah. Well, we, were still, we still had a lot of business with flower time because when they were taken over by Frank's garden centers, uh, they 
Frank's, I don't think, was doing all that well. And I think they're based in, you probably know, Fran, in Chicago or someplace I, in the Midwest. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And they took the buyers from Flower Time and became the buyers for Frank's. And so now I was dealing with uh, the same buyers that liked my product, but I was dealing with many, 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 many more stores. So that's when we started shipping down to North Carolina and Virginia and all over the place. And I was really running ragged. I can mm -hmm. imagine. Now, one of, one of the stories that I love hearing about with the early days of the nursery was when you started to market and go to trade shows and you were the, in the booth by yourself, you know, almost like afraid to, to run to the yes. bathroom yeah. or, or, or get something to yeah. eat just because you'd be afraid to miss, yeah. miss someone if they came by. But mm -hmm. a lot of your customers became friends. Like from what I understand, one of our longstanding customers, Dawson Corporation, which is now some co-eco co contracting, they would watch the booth with you or share a room with you to, is that correct? Like, did Let's Bill? Let's not get into personal <laughs> <laughs> No, I didn't share. Did Suzanne anything. not know that part? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that was uh, that came later on. Okay. Um, in the early days, uh, the first shows I would go to was the NJAN had their uh, annual show was in Atlantic City. Okay, and also the uh, NJASLA had their show in Atlantic City, and those are the two main shows that I would do and. It worked out very, very nicely. But like I said, I was afraid to leave the booth because we were, we were poor. <laughs> we didn't yeah. have any money living on Suzanne's income, and I'm spending money hand over fist on the nursery. And I wanted to be there every minute. So I would bring my lunch into the booth. I'd have drinks in the booth, and I would not leave, just maybe to go to the bathroom and run back. At, at, at what point did you feel comfortable? Like, is you may not still feel comfortable. You know, it's. I'm a worrier, and I never really felt comfortable. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I decided to retire because I guess I have uh, a lot of stress in my life, and I worry about things. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so, you know, and we've grown over the years, oh, but gosh, you know, yeah. it's it's easy to to think, oh well, what you know, it's a seasonal business, and then there's so many factors that can come into play: weather, economy. Um, and that's well the, I tell you the, what made me feel a little bit better is I think the first year we were selling probably back then it was just fruit plants I think we grossed about $9,000 and the next year it doubled and then it doubled again and then it, doubled, it kept on doubling for probably seven, eight, nine, ten years I forget exactly what it was and then I started feeling a little bit more comfortable and that's when we started hiring a few additional people that probably okay. by then Suzanne had left because she can handle the the books, the paperwork, things that I'm totally incompetent at, and that may, allowed me to be more of a a grower and a marketer. And some of those early employees are still here, yes, which, they which are. says a lot about yeah. the nursery. Yes. Um, did Paul start right out of high school? Paul started in high school. In Paul high school. was a, a work study student, and Susan was a work study student also so we've had uh, a lot of work study students yeah. and, and paul is our facilities manager and then susan's our nursery manager yes. right now yeah. and i think paul has been here 27 years yeah. now wow wow that's we consider paul our third son <laughs> your favorite son was that our responsible <laughs> <son>. responsible son <laughs> least expensive son yeah absolutely <laughs> Oh, part of me wants to tell that story now, but I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait. Um, so we are Pinelands Nursery is a wholesale to the trade nursery. So at some point in the early stages of the nursery, you had to make the decision: Do we want to sell retail? Do we want to sell wholesale? And I think you did do retail at one point. At what point 
did that change? We never really did retail. What we did was I would uh, offer to folks in the office, like the secretaries in the office, say, hey, there's a, a plant sale going on. Would you be interested in, in taking some of our plants and selling them? Because okay. I would speak. In the early years, I did a lot of uh, speaking, public speaking, and people in the audience would say, hey, where, when can I come by and pick up these plants? And I said, sorry, we're wholesale only. And, but I knew that the, there was a demand for the plants, so we had our secretaries went a few times, and they had moderate success, but they really didn't uh, embrace it. And then later on, Tom embraced yep. it with Pinelands Direct, and I'm very proud of him for doing that. Pinelands Direct well. is, is, is doing very well. Yeah. So, and Suzanne, you had your hand up yeah. at one point. <laughs> What did you want to add? This is not a raising hands kind of group. You could just chime in. You just got to say it. (laughs) You have to remind me of the question again. It was the the why why wholesale and not retail. Yes. Well, I think that was purely selfish on my part because we actually had the conversation, and I said, I don't want to do retail because I don't want to work every Saturday and Sunday <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's really what directed one of the major And that's very true. Choices that's that's a that whole decision. That's a whole different commitment, even though you're already getting up at four o'clock in the morning and doing all those things. And I'm sure you were still working Saturdays and Sundays anyway at that point. If I could add one thing to that is that uh, I'm not a real people person. I can go to a trade show. In the early years, I'd go to the trade shows, and I'd talk to people for three days straight, and then I'd be happy not to have to have <laughs> constant conversations. And so I was, I was happy not to be the person in the office who had to speak to the customers. And you, Fran, are wonderful at that. That's something that you are very good at. Yeah, I don't like doing it either. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you know, it's funny. It's it's. I'm I'm a very introverted person by nature, so it's it's really out of my comfort zone to do that and constant constantly be cheerful and and happy and pleasant, and it's it's difficult. <laughs> it's it's not as when easy. When are you going to start being happy and cheerful? <laughs> oh, one of these days. One of these days I might. But no, it's 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 one of those things where it's I find it interesting that that's the career path that I ended up following, knowing that. It's it's still very difficult. It's I have to force myself sometimes. Well, you're very good at it. Thank you. I appreciate that. One of the things John didn't mention was that we got involved with the Native Plant Society of New Jersey. I think at one point he said, "What else should we grow?" And I had mentioned I've always wanted to grow wildflowers, and so we wanted to go down that path. So we connected with the Native Plant Society, and just started finding out there was so much more that was needed in the industry and not available. And I think Don can discuss this more. Another thing that happened was further legislation, the Clean Water Act was passed. And so there was a lot more need for native plants for um, cleaning water. And not just in the Pine Barrens, but across the whole mid-Atlantic, or really across the whole continent exactly because i was one of the points we were going to make was there's a difference between just selling native plants and selling restoration Mm -hmm. type material and that's not that's not talking about the quality of the material that's just saying where the material goes so that had to have been was was a lot of these native restorations was that new at that point were there absolutely new 
Okay. Um, so that's a huge learning curve. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I like to think that we followed the wave of regulations. We started out with the Pine Lines Protection Act, then the Clean Water Act. Uh, Stormwater. Yeah, with uh, you know, stormwater protection and now uh, NPDES about uh, 10, 15 years ago, whenever that came into effect. So I teasingly say that uh, people don't want to buy our plants, that they have to buy our plants. <laughs> yeah. And one thing I, that just came to mind is that a person that I really have to acknowledge is Dr. Edgar Garbish, that he mm-hmm. helped educate me on herbaceous wetland plants particularly, that I, I had taught dendrology at okay. Rutgers. And so I knew my woody plants fairly well, but I didn't know herbaceous plants at all. And so I went to a number of, of meetings where he spoke and uh, had a, a dinner or two with him. And he was very, very generous. And he, at that time, he still had his nursery uh, okay. environmental concern, but he, he basically trained me to be a, a competitor. And I like to think of a, a friendly competitor. I think he trained a lot of people. I've mm-hmm. heard a lot yeah. of people say that. Yeah. So, and, and that's, he's very well respected in yes. the industry yeah. for kind of, I mean, did anyone have a restoration nursery before he did? No, yeah, he was the one. He he pretty much invented the field of wetland mitigation. So mm-hmm. along with plant material, there's also erosion control material associated with that. And I'm sure at the time it was new technology, core logs, which we right. talk about as commonplace now, I'm sure weren't as commonplace right. back then. Well, with the Clean Water Act, uh, you know, people had to make sure that uh, they weren't having eroded stream banks and pond shores because the number one source of pollution, at least in the, the bays, is sediment. So we want to try to keep the, the soil in place. And way back, I guess it was right around 1988, 89, I was introduced by a fellow uh, by the name of uh, Sven Hoger, another good fellow. And he was importing uh, coconut logs in f- through Germany. I believe they were coming from Sri Lanka initially. And uh, he had a company that, um, was it, what's his uh, habit? Uh, I can't uh, remember his, uh, the name Habitat of his company. Habitat by Design. No, Habitat, that's uh, Jeff Keller, if yeah, I'm mistaken. Yeah, I'm trying to remember uh, his. Creative Habitat Habit- is creative the name of his company. It. And he was selling what he called fiber sheens. And I worked with him on that. He contacted me. We started growing plants for him, grew them here. And that we had a, a good relationship. And then uh, he ran into some problems with some a competitor, another competitor from Germany, and uh, there were threats of lawsuits, and people were threatening me, and it got very, very dicey for a while. But I mean, core logs are standard practice now, I, right. I think, and and there's more technology out there now. There's mm-hmm. silt socks and things like that. But it was, I'm sure, if it was a learning curve for you, it was a learning curve for our customers as well, learning how to do this. Well, that's one of the things that we did was uh, we became a resource for a lot of the companies, uh, engineering companies, environmental consultants. They didn't have any experience in this, so we would help them with their designs. And after a while, uh, they became educated themselves, and they were able to do all the designs on their own. Is that one way you tried to differentiate yourself? Did you have a lot of competition at that point? I know today we have, you know, there's a fair amount of competition. And there's, even when I started here 13 years ago, there's more native nurseries than there was when I started. Um, in 1989, I think was when we, or 1990, we put on our first um, native plant symposium. Okay. And there were very few competitors at the time. There was Arrowwood Nursery 
further south in New Jersey, there was Octorero Nursery, and we were all new at this. I, I, I want to just not to interrupt that we're very friendly with most mm-hmm. of most of these people that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's you know we're saying competition, but a lot of these people are friends, and and a lot of that's because there's just not. Well, there's probably more demand than there is supply. Yeah. Even even today, there's still more demand than there's supply, and we could all be successful and still are all able to be successful even though... And occupy space yeah. in that. Well, that r- makes me think of this story that the uh, we used to go to the Mance show, Mid-Atlantic Nursery Trade Show, and for several years, we were the only native plant nursery there. And one year, another nursery showed up, and I was heartbroken i said oh my gosh the world is coming to an end and then the next year another nursery or two more nurseries showed up and after a while you know i'd I'd always come back and i'd be very concerned but after a while i realized that gee the pie is getting bigger and bigger Mm -hmm. and bigger and i stopped being so concerned about competitors and just worked on growing great plants here and uh just building the uh building the industry when i think of information i think of the catalog that that you had put together that a lot of people say they keep on their desk because it's a great source of information but suzanne you were starting to talk about the symposium which is the one thing that i think our customers speak almost look romantically about when they when they think back about them and i think romantically of them too (laughs) because don and i had a budget of like a thousand dollars and we decided, you know, we're going to put on this native plant symposium so we could educate people about what plants were available, where they grew, how they were used, and um, also about the biologs or fiber sheens, however you want to refer to them, and <clears throat> core fiber logs. And so we decided to put on this meeting for free. There was nothing like it at the time. Don was very well connected. He was a, for someone who wasn't a people person, he was great at networking. And so he made a lot of contacts in all parts of the industry. So we knew designers, we knew um, DOT people, we knew installers, we knew people through all parts of the industry. And Don put together a group of people and had them all as speakers and we got together a list of invited guests, but we had a limit to how many people could fit in the facility we had uh, booked at the time. And the place we had booked was the local Grange Hall, which its history is yeah. in growing so and agriculture. So I believe we could have a maximum of like 275 people 300 and- Fifteen or three hundred and five was wow. what the fire code said. I think it was two seventy-five, but we had three hundred twenty people show up. <laughs> I hope the fire inspectors not. <laughs> and it was crazy. We had to put beach towels over the windows to keep the light from coming in, so people's slideshows could be seen. And actually, you we gave had- out. Pinelands Nursery seat cushions at one point. One year. (laughs) They had very hard wooden folding chairs. And although the content of the meeting was very interesting and exciting for a lot of people, the chairs were pretty tough. (laughs) So we tried to address the problems for the year. But the, the first year, the main comment we received was, you should charge for this meeting. And so we held it for many, many years. And finally... We relented, 
a lot of other meetings were going on that covered the same material and it was no longer as special as it was the first it was really years. a template because there was a, a lot of people didn't have the information it was the one place they could get the information they could network with other people that were learning or knew and it's funny to still see the people from the early years that are how close of friends they are mm-hmm. like you could tell they they made close-knit friendships yeah. from those and i'm sure you did as well it, it's nice when you could say that you're friends with your customers yeah. I don't know. And a lot of other the meetings that started to pop up kind of copied that template. And really, we part of the inspiration of having this podcast was copying that template. And um, in in today's today's today's, yeah today's version, we can do it from a a, A table a table in our our office and. Um, and these chairs are much more comfortable. (laughs) They are much more comfortable. (laughs) And and have on some experts and 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 uh, share that information and have people you know and reach an audience of. Well, I guess potentially thousands or already in the thousands. So we so. we already stole your idea. There yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we ended up stopping that meeting uh, when there were just so many other native plant symposiums and meetings going on. Rutgers had a lot. And it was a lot of work for us, a tremendous amount of work. And we weren't making money at it. So we realized that the, the best part of the meeting for us was the dinner that we had the night before with our speakers and some of our invited guests. And so by this time, 20 years ago or more, we had moved the meeting to the Rutgers Eco Complex, which had a limit of 180 seats. And we held it there for a while. And then we decided, well, why don't we just stop the meeting, just have the dinner, and we called it a a dinner meeting, and we had the same invited guests, and we had a speaker or two. And we maybe have fifty or sixty people there. It costs us a lot of money, yeah. you know. But to it, do it's it, still but. more than we've had years with eighty people, yeah. I believe. Mm-hmm. Like, and we've invited a hundred people probably. But you know, it, the funny thing is, the one part that everyone talks about is the networking. You know, mm-hmm. we actually last year we we for we 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 kind of didn't do a sit down yeah. dinner because everyone said they didn't have enough time mm-hmm. to talk to everyone so it was more hors d'oeuvres so that we could extend that and, and talk to everyone mm-hmm. that was the that's how the meeting was designed to be an, an opportunity for people to network and there are people that maybe had worked together 20 years ago and they don't get to see each other anymore and then they'd all come back to this meeting mm-hmm. and they get to talk and renew and, and that's one of the differences really with restoration than you'd find with a lot of other well, I guess you still find it with some other landscape design, but you have a regulatory agency yeah. in a lot of cases. You have a, a landscape architect. You'd have a contractor. Yeah. You have multiple subcontractors, and so there's so many. Well, then and then the nurseries and, and seed providers and road control material providers. So there's so many layers, and this was a place you could get all of at least the, our favorite the, ones yeah. all in the same room. The diversity was there. I mean, last year we had competitors. <laughs> we had customers, uh, regulatory, academic, um, a little bit of everything, yeah. which is which it's impressive for everyone to get along and and have a good time mm-hmm. and be happy afterwards. <laughs> so, you know, I you know, it's I, I'm proud to say that some of our customers are my friend and some of our competitors are my friend that mm-hmm. will trade text or phone calls or you, you're next to a competitor at a trade show or a conference and you're exhibiting and you're sending people back and forth to each other mm-hmm. uh, because you appreciate what each other do and you each I have hated your own when niche. you did that friend yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only oops, kidding oops no i mean we we all have our own niche 
and and there, we all we we just said we all have our own space for it, but there's only so many customers. We all share that same customer base, so it's you want to do right by the customer, and that's one of the things I appreciate it when I came here more than more than anything else was that we always do what's right for the customer. If they're doing something that we see is wrong, we tell them it's wrong. You, it's easy to take an easy sale, but you want to be part of a successful project. Mm-hmm. So we we always give them if if the best product is something we don't grow, we steer them in the right direction and and give them other names and give them other places. And that came directly from you, Don, you know, which that was novel for me when I came here because that was never, you know, in sales, you take that sale, you know, and you move on. But that's it, it's a much different atmosphere here. And that's one of the things I appreciate it most. One of the other things I'm proud of, um, when I talk about the nursery, one of the first things we say when someone comes up and says, tell us about Pinelands Nursery. And one of the first things we always say is that we're a completely native nursery. 90 to 95% of what we grow is from seed that we collect ourselves. Now, at what point that, you know, obviously you didn't start off collecting seed and growing everything. You were maybe buying in liners or doing other things. At what point did that, did you see that focus shift? Well, herbaceous plants, we collected all our own seeds. So I really had to learn to be a better botanist than I was. Uh, As far as woodies, we purchased a lot from a local nursery and and other nurseries. Mm -hmm. Uh, basically bare root plants and it was difficult because they didn't always come in in very good condition and we might have uh, great success with one species and 95% mortality with another and my goal always was to grow the plants ourselves primarily in tublings or pots small pots and have a year's backlog of plants so that we Mm -hmm. always had plants available and and we had to do it by seed, yeah, and uh, it worked out very, very well for us. Awesome, and you know, especially in today's market with the push for local ecotype, it's it's worked favorably for us because that's the, how we've operated. Before there was a demand for it, that's how we were operating. So mm-hmm. it's it was one of those things that maybe you didn't realize it at the time, but mm-hmm. it was. Well, that's always been a push of mine was to grow local plants because I recognize the importance of it. Uh, unfortunately, landscape contractors generally don't. They're just going to find the cheapest plant possible, no matter if it came from Texas or Vermont or wherever. Uh, so what we had to do there is to educate the landscape uh, designers and landscape architects and the regulators so that they would specify that the plants had to be local. And income, local genotype. Income the symposiums. <laughs> there you go. Now it's, what, what do you think – Going back, we, we, we've been discussing over 30 years of history. What's one thing you know now that you wish you would have known when you started? Can you think of one thing? Don't hire your children. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to share my story. I, actually, I'm going to share my story. So uh, both of your children, Tom and Steve, both – work at the nursery tom's our production analyst what's steve's oh uh, it's it's um i think it's seed production manager seed production manager so uh when tom was in college and steve went away for his first year to college at ohio state the two of you embarked on a vacation uh, by yourselves and you were driving across the country so you're getting ready to leave and i know you were kind of nervous and uh you you finally left and then don popped his head back in the door and said 
if we die on this trip, don't let my kids run the nursery. (laughs) 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 You know, and then we laughed. But here here you go, what is it, six, eight years later, and both kids are involved at at high positions and and doing very well. And I think at the time – I don't know that either of you actually had an interest in no, being in the nursery. No, we we didn't. We were both on different paths, and then Steve and I both kind of at the same time. I think he either texted me on like a Saturday morning, or I texted him. I don't remember exactly what happened, but um, we're like well, we're kind of really passing up a really good opportunity by not uh, taking off the nursery, even though even if it was even if our end goal was eventually to go in a different direction. Yeah. It would be a lot harder to get there starting from zero than starting from 10 or where, wherever we'd I'd, I'd like to say that I am very, very happy to have my, my kids work in the nursery. I think they're doing both doing a very, very good job in their own way. The one regret that I do have, though, is I heard this from many different people, mm-hmm. is don't just hire your, your child. Let them go work for somebody else for a while. Mm-hmm. And then they can come back and they can bring new experiences, but also learn what it's like to be a real employee mm-hmm. and not just uh, the uh, the child of the owner. Yeah. And I think that would have been helpful. I, I think what's interesting, what I feel both Tom and Steve both bring, is neither of them went for horticulture per se. You, Tom, you're, you were a business major? Mm-hmm. Agricultural a- business. Ag business. And, and mm-hmm. Steve was bio- wildlife biology? Mm-hmm. Forestry, fisheries, and okay. wildlife. All right. So, so related. Like, related, but not directly. So even though they grew up in it, their their majors could have taken mm-hmm. them in completely yes. different directions. But they're we able thought to bring- Tom was going to be an, an ag education teacher yeah. and yeah. Steve was going to be a wildlife biologist. Yeah, and, and here they are. Here they are. So I will share the one part of the story that none of you know is that you were gone for maybe five minutes and I got injured. <laughs> it was maybe five minutes and i was injured so and we're like don't call them and tell them you just can't leave the children unattended and it, it was unwork related too so i had a blackmail photo on my phone of an employee who was smoking cigarettes and i said that i was going to text it to you and the employee doesn't work here any longer and someone said let me see the photo and i handed them my phone and they ran away with my phone and was trying to delete it so as i chased that person they slammed a door into me oh. <laughs> and i went down and <laughs> yeah this was i don't even know if you were out of columbus yet when it happened so <laughs> i figured i would share this now when when it's kind of hard to get mad at me yeah. <laughs> yeah. tom would you consider fran a, an essential employee or a non-essential employee <laughs> at that point yeah. but, uh, i don't i don't know it's a good but Definitely an essential employee. Uh, thank you. Oh, but we have fun. And one of the things that I think our customer appreciates is the environment here at Pinelands Nursery. Everyone's accepted. Everyone's welcomed. We have a lot of fun, but we do a lot of great things. We're very, we, we offer a lot of good information, and, mm-hmm. and we do good business. And I think that shows with anyone that's dealing with us. So, and that comes from you. It, it could easily – I've worked at a lot of places where that's not – the vibe <laughs> that that you get but that's the vibe then that's the vibe now even with the kids involved mm-hmm. so i take a lot of pride in that and you know when you go to a business where the owners or managers are not nice to their employees to their customers you can tell you yeah. can tell right off the bat yeah. and i i always wanted to treat our employees the way i wanted to be treated yeah. so. and you and you do you do mm-hmm. we it, it definitely shows um, let's talk a little bit about the nursery today and what it's become. We've talked a lot about the history, but 
today we're one of the largest, if not the largest, 100% native plant producer on the East Coast. How, how did that happen? And like, what time frame was it where you went from small nursery to, I guess we're big. still not a big nursery, but for where our field, we're a big nursery. For what we Susan, do, it's big. Suzanne will tell you that as soon as I retired, <laughs> all of a sudden the nursery <laughs> took off. Well, Better management. We did have a very good year last year, Don, but <clears throat> I think it was the years you were growing up, Tom. We, um, we lived simply at home. We had a lot of rooms without any furniture in them, and we just kept reinvesting our money into our own business. And so we physically grew with more greenhouses, more mm -hmm. irrigations, putting up outbuildings. There was a time when our office was in the basement of the house, and you know we actually built an office and moved mm -hmm. out to the You're office. So five or six years old before you had your first pair of shoes. Is that what <laughs> <laughs> I think I was seven. Seven. <laughs> but. You know, even throughout the growth, though, I think you were. Uh, I, I could say you were definitely met with resistance from some of us employees too. I know I resisted coming from large nurseries. It, it's not a great thing for me to say, but every nursery that I've worked for is no longer in business, and they've all been large, large nurseries. And and you've kind of seen that business model change. So it was it's scary. It was scary. I'm sure it was scary for you. It was scary for me to keep forging ahead and getting bigger, but. I guess it's how you do it, and you do it smart. <laughs> you well, as uh, Tom and Steve are complementary to each other, I think Suzanne and I are complementary to each other, that uh, I would want to expand and do this and do that, and Suzanne, who watched the books, she would reel me in and say, well, we can't really afford that. And so I think we grew responsibly. Now, I do remember Tom going off to his Eagle classes uh, Tom, what does that stand for? Executive? Uh, Executive Academy for Growth and Leadership. And of, of some of the largest nurseries in the country have sent their managers to that or owners to it. And one of the things that Tom came back with was that we should be spending more money, borrowing more money to expand. So that is what the industry is saying. We didn't necessarily do that. So we tried to expand from our own whatever profits we had. So mm -hmm. we expanded slowly. But, it, but it's been good. And one of the other things that I think has helped, like I, we talked about it being a seasonal business and sometimes you have to weather what the economy is and things like that. If, if governments have money to spend on restorations or if there's private money to spend on mitigation, that type of thing. Um, and I don't know if it was necessarily by design, but we are a very diverse native plant nursery. And not, you know, we're a, a northeast wetland salt marsh you know that's that's our our specialty but we grow woodies we grow herbaceous we carry erosion control we 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 produce seed. seed we produce seed which was a new direction that that don started a few years ago before he retired and that's that's very helpful when one side is bigger and we have our own propagation department i don't know that all of our competitors can say that as well so i think that's helped us weather the storm when we, we see on, on yearly occasions where one product line is up, the other one's down, and they'll reverse two years later. Was that a plan? Did, did that just happen? Or? No, it's, it was planned because I could see that uh, the demand for native plants was, was strong, but there are more and more native plant nurseries out there. We have quite a few competitors and uh, figured, okay, well, 
maybe we need to do something a little bit different instead of just selling the, the traditional one-gallon shrubs, two-gallon trees, and, uh, and plugs of herbaceous plants. So we figure, well, let's try growing some seed, and then the number sevens. We now grow trees in number seven, so we just expand the market. And we've expanded in size where we've, since I've been here, you've purchased two additional farms mm-hmm. that are, are local. Um, we've expanded, like you said, seven gallons was new for us just a couple years ago, so we keep adding to it, uh, and, you know, and it's it's not frowned upon. And it's you were willing to take a risk, and, mm-hmm. and I, I'd say some of those might have been really risky. Like some of those things may not have worked out, but they they worked out. So I appreciate the risks that you have taken because with how much you've invested in the nursery and how it affects your family, you lived very close to the best for a lot of years, <laughs> like hoping that those risks paid off. And we took risks that didn't really work yeah, out. Yeah, there are a lot of things that we did that didn't pan out very well, but we were um, conservative enough in, in taking those risks that we didn't uh, risk the nursery going under. Yeah. So yeah. we've had a number of, of our things that just didn't work out the way that we had hoped. Do you, do you hope that it, even though you're retired and obviously you're, you're president and, and at some point Tom and Steve will, will, will be the next generation and then Tom has an, a generation coming on after that. Do you hope that it keeps expanding? What are you, what are your hopes? Like what, what do you, what is your dream when, when you finally step away, Suzanne, what what are your hopes for for the nursery well i they're really simple friend this nursery afforded us a very good life and you know we put work into it we put our resources into it early on but then it afforded us a very good life and that's simply what i would want for my children to be able to enjoy a good life from from this business I think Don might see that differently. <laughs> well, I look at it that uh, the property that the nursery is on is owned by Suzanne and I. Uh, we, you know, really can't sell the nursery because it's our property. You know, we have all these employees that depend upon us for a living that were our friends. That, so we are we have to keep this nursery going. It has to keep on going. So I'm hoping that uh, this will be our retirement benefit is that <laughs> the boys will continue to run the nursery well. And one thing I haven't said this yet, but before this interview is over, I want to mention that initially I did everything in this nursery. Yeah. I was a truck driver. I was a potter. I did everything. And the, one of the ways that this nursery has really grown is by hiring people who can do their job better than I could. Fran, you're a far better salesman than I ever could. Tom, you're doing a wonderful job with all these new innovative things that you're coming up with. The social media is very, very good. Uh, We have a a propagator who's fantastic. Our nursery manager has grown into this position that our plants are so much better than when I was the nursery manager. Uh, All along the line, we have great people doing their jobs better than I can do it. And we all get along, you know, and that says something too. You didn't just hire good people. You hired a certain type of person. In front of your face, Fran. We got <laughs> one behind your back. I don't know. Well, that's, that's okay. We talk about you too. <laughs> and that was, we talked about how I went to uh, the, the Eagle class, um, which is really a horticulturally based uh, business strategy yeah. class. But one of the things they said is you got to have 
a set of core values, and this is really popular just across all business, not just horticultural business, but so you have to have core values because that's how you win employees and customers. And when you're hiring people, well, they have to fit those core values. And we did a, an internal, uh, I brought a bunch of flashcards home with different words on them and like honesty and integrity and those kind of things. And I just didn't internally, I handed them out to all the managers and a lot of the employees and uh, kept track of what their answers were. And just about everyone had matched at least three. Yeah. Uh, there was three that of the five that they choose that matched everyone else's. Yeah. And, and, and I think the core values are interesting choices. Can you share what some of them were? Oh man. I, I know, know one was family. Family was, was number one. Just, yeah. I think everyone had that on out of like the 15 people we handed them to. Everyone had family. And that makes me so proud because we feel like our employees are family. Some of them literally are, but the rest (laughs) of them. And so we've had the privilege and honor of going to weddings, first birthdays, christenings, really wonderful life events that citizenship ceremonies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you know everyone's children. I mean, personally, like you know, like. And my my kids both work at the nursery right now. I have one uh, that's a junior in high school and one that is a sophomore in college. And they both have worked here over the years, and you know them, and they know you by name, and and it's you know what goes on in their life, and they know what goes on here, and it that's just my kids. You could say that yeah. for everyone's kids. Do they know them us by the name that? You call us Fran or the <laughs> name that are real names. I, hopefully, they know well enough to not use that language at work. <laughs> I, I hope, I hope. But it's you know, I look at one of the my favorite st- favorite things that Don has ever said to me, and I know I've mentioned it at your retirement was that we were standing out front by the we were looking at the rain garden out front, and we were just kind of standing looking at the nursery. And I had mentioned to you, did you ever think when you started? that the nursery would ever become this large and what it is today and you went i'll tell you one thing i know my in-laws didn't (laughs) so i'm sure you know during the the early years and the lean years it it was it was difficult and stressful um like anything and but i man i don't i i'm so impressed with how well the two of you work together live together work together so close like in the office like on a daily basis it's it's impressive. We've never had an argument in front of you. Never. Adults, we? <laughs> well, when no you you get treated like family, you become part of the family. So it's <laughs> no, but it's you know it's, and I'm not the only one that has mentioned that or have said that. Like it's impressive with how to be able to have a family, have a home life, and have a work life, and and handle all those things. And how many years of marriage has it been? Well, is it 35 <laughs> or 36, Don? <laughs> September 15th, 1984. Wow. 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 Impressive. 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 So it's – no, it's I'm, – I'm proud to work here, and I think this was – this was new to me, this end of the industry. I realized very quickly when I came here that I knew nothing. I knew nothing. I drove by this place every day. I knew nothing about what went on behind the walls. And, and Don, you convinced me that when I interviewed that I could do this. And I, I wasn't so short because it was already halfway through my career almost and, and knew nothing about it. I felt like I was almost making a career change. Um, but thank you. You were, a great, you were a great teacher. Thank you. So it was uh, – I still have a lot to learn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Fran, you were just talking about family. Yes. So I wanted to ask you guys, because you guys did it successfully. 
And Fran, you can answer too. Okay. I, I don't I, know how successful you were at this. Nah, <laughs> probably not. But um, <laughs> since I'm officially a dad, as of when people are hearing this, not as today, but I got a couple weeks. What tips do you have for raising kids who appreciate nature and the outdoors and, and plants and those kind of things? Spend time in the outdoors with them. Yeah, I think that um, my emphasis was rather than giving you presents was to take you places mm-hmm. and be present with you. So we traveled quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been all over the United States yeah. at least. So, and I, I think that was, I was going to mention earlier, but a lot, I remember a lot of our vacations growing up were, well, a lot of them had to do with wherever you had a meeting. Yeah. And uh, so we'd go to Biloxi, Mississippi and hang out on the, I don't even remember what the hotel was, or it was a casino or something like that. And then uh, you'd give us a couple bucks to play video games on the hotel TV, and then the meeting would be over, and then we'd go and go on a fishing trip or Depending on where we went, we went on a lot Go of horseback riding shop. trips. I remember we you enjoyed going to the pawn <laughs> shop. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Don well. took the children to a pawn shop so they could get a souvenir of their trip. Uh, nice, <laughs> very nice. <laughs> what was the souvenir? Do you remember? I, I remember going to the pawn net. shop. Didn't we get a throw net? Steve got Steve got a throw net. That's what okay. he got for like fifteen dollars. Yeah. And Tom, I don't I recall what, what got. you got. I think I. You know, I'm I'm proud that my children enjoy the outdoors and go hike it like uh my oldest is planning on with his girlfriend going to the delaware water gap this weekend like that's how they choose and i think you know when they were young we i most of my time that i spent with them we focused it around going out to do things so we did letterboxing uh when they were young which almost always took place in a park so we visited every park and when you traveled you could see what parks had letterboxes and we would just you know, we spent a lot of time in parks, and I'd point out trees or point out birds or point out things like that. Just little things like that, I think. it's Even if they don't appreciate it. I got it. trees pointed out to me a lot, too. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't care that much. Now I wish I'd paid more attention. <laughs> well, they may, you know, they're not going to care at, yeah. at that time. You know, they're just not. But later on when they identify it, when they're with someone and they see it and they – that's the big thing. And so, very Tom, importantly, when you were young, we had to do things that were free. Mm-hmm. So going to parks was a really good one. <laughs> you mentioned about, uh, you know, with kids and vacations. Uh, I remember when uh, we'd have a trade show, let's just say it was down in at Mance in Baltimore, and we had two little kids, and Suzanne would pack up the kids, and while I'm manning the trade show booth, she'd take you to the aquarium, she'd take you to the zoo, and then maybe in the evening we'd go to a baseball game or something mm-hmm. like that as a family. But that's – that. Those were our family vacations the first bunch of years because we didn't have time or the money to do much else. Yeah, and after that, then well, we went to Yellowstone and we went to Alaska, and um, always did a lot of fishing. We'd go to Maine every year, and it was always nature centric vacation hunting. Yeah, yeah a lot of yeah. hunting trips. Yeah. So it was, yeah, they always revolved. I should say always, but just about always revolved around nature, and probably one of my least favorite vacations was going to disney world <laughs> probably it was worse for you guys <laughs> from, from well, all right you have more parenting yeah oh yeah to ask? uh what's the the number one thing you need for a baby patience <laughs> kibble when you put them in the garage in, in a bowl of water <laughs> how about you friend what, what 
you know, it's it, it's patience. It, it, I, I agree uh, 100% because it's, you know, there's so many things going on in your life when that child comes into your life, and it's it's real easy to get um, diverted or occupied, and it's it's just trying to, to step away and, and make sure you give that undivided attention or, you, you know, it's, it's – and be forgiving because sometimes you don't – you're not going to have the patience. You're not going to have had the sleep <laughs> or, the, or the time to, to have that conversation. Just if, if you could do patience, that's and, – mm. and, and if you don't have it, you will. <laughs> yeah. You will. One of, one of the things my wife and I have been talking about a lot and trying to – we probably haven't done a good job the last couple months with all the COVID stuff going on. But before that was trying to not be on our phones as much because we knew that we couldn't be on our phones once we had a baby and really a toddler when they're seeing that activity a lot and um, and how hard it's going to be just because you have constant distractions really at your fingertips between TV and phones and all that. And Along the same lines, Tom and Steve were very upset with me because I didn't allow them to play video games. Mm-hmm. No video games. Yeah, no video games, no, uh, no Nickelodeon. Well, we got I would, PBS. I would call, <laughs> I would keep that phone or iPad or everything away from your child mm-hmm. for many, many years. Yeah. I agree. Take them outside. We've even to talked the about park. keeping the phones away from ourselves when we're home and just kind of put them in a, a drawer, keep them on the counter, and if we're walking by, okay, you can check something real quick. But if we're eating dinner or in the family room, it's. Leave the phone someplace else. and I still do that with my boys. Even at their age, we do one night a week where we watch a movie together. We'll pick, like, we're going to watch all the Marvel movies in sequence or all the Star Wars movies, and Mm -hmm. that's our time, and we'll do something special, make something, and then we watch a movie. But we spend time, we talk, and then, you know, no phones. Suzanne and I like to watch romantic comedies. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite? Don, what's your favorite romantic comedy? What's your favorite rom-com? <laughs> Notebook? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom, what else you got? I guess, do you guys have any other parenting tips? Like, I'm two weeks away, <laughs> and I'm not... He's close. Oh, yeah, I'm starting to think about all the things I'm going to have to... Spend a lot of time with do. your kids. Keep them occupied. Keep them busy. You guys are always busy with sports or mm-hmm. doing something, and that keeps you at, from getting into, into trouble. Mm-hmm. You more so than Steve. <laughs> <laughs> out of trouble yeah, yeah I, go ahead Susan nope. no uh, I, I agree it's you know it's <clears throat> I kept my kids extremely maybe too busy almost it, you got to watch that fine line at one point my kids were doing so much they couldn't physically do it all they were playing travel soccer travel across boy scouts drum lessons um you know they were busy every day which was great so they couldn't get in trouble but you can do too much too like it's at some point they had to start narrowing it down and picking the things that they liked that they wanted to focus on because you could burn them out that way too mm-hmm. but it's definitely um it the sports were were fantastic for my kids mm-hmm. or I marching band it. i went to oh, yeah. lots and lots and lots of travel lacrosse games oh, yeah. and the same thing mm-hmm. with stevie went all over the the country to see mm-hmm. him play lacrosse and mm-hmm. A lot of trips up to upstate New York and Pennsylvania and all over yep. the place. Yeah. yeah, and I know he and I both appreciated it. So because I know a lot of my friends, especially in college, a lot of my friends didn't have their parents there all the time. And uh, and looking back, it was something that was always really nice. Yeah, and even if it's not sports, uh, you know, my youngest does marching band and ROTC. So you know, I travel for for those things. It's just as long as they're involved in something, I think they find their biggest sense of. Uh, community 
uh, that way uh, where they you know I think my oldest his best friends are all ones that he started playing lacrosse with at mm. fifth grade in fifth grade you know that's mm. his his friendship group the only the only place I drew it drew the line was when I didn't want to go watch Tommy in ballet class <laughs> <laughs> those recitals were just so boring do you have videotape of those recitals <laughs> we can maybe post those on Facebook or YouTube yeah. <laughs> all right do you do you have a favorite employee? My wife. <laughs> when she was an employee. Wow, that was a great answer. <laughs> There's no lie detector. Uh, do you have anything else, Tom? Uh, no, not really. I guess okay. it's just we always ask our guests what yes. their favorite native plant is. Yes, so what is your favorite native? And it can also include a native plant, a bird. Or insects. We're, yeah, we're going to have to start including it. Insects. insects. I think I love dogwood trees. All right. Okay. How about you, Don? And I love Spartina alterniflora because it put my kids through college. <laughs> <laughs> we grow, you know, it's for for those of you, if, if you're not living uh, in a coastal community, Spartina alterniflora is our, our coastal baygrass uh, that lives in the tide, and we there's been years where we've grown over a million uh, Spartina alterniflora two-inch plugs. Uh, so it's a lot of restoration that's that's happened along the the, the northeast, basically yeah. from from Boston down to Virginia Beach. And, and I guess we kind of glossed over that before, but the focus of this nursery is really on a lot of these restoration projects, and uh, some of them can be really, really major and required um, hundreds of thousands of plugs. Um, which is one of the things that makes it more appealing than retail when you're selling ones and twos of some stuff where you can sell a hundred thousand in a five minute phone call. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is, is salt marsh restoration and, uh, it's stuff that's really overlooked, but if you're going down to long beach, long beach Island, uh, this summer, uh, if the beaches are actually open or you might even see them, uh, I guess Memorial day weekend. But if you look out on the left and right, all that, Grass, or I shouldn't say all the grass, but most of the grass that's out there is Spartina alternifolia or Spartina patens, or and you can drive by and and certain places and know that it came from here, mm-hmm. which is which is kind of fun yeah. to do now. Like when you see you go over the new bridge into Ocean City or the new bridge yeah. into but those uh, those plants are uh, stopping erosion and holding soil in place, creating habitat for fish. Um, a lot of the things some of our other guests have been talking about this is being done on a really large scale and a lot of the plants are coming from not just Pinelands Nursery but a lot of these nurseries that are in the Mid-Atlantic yeah and it's um one of the things dad you always said to me is we could be selling booze and cigarettes but we're selling native plants and that's something you could feel good about at the end of the day you're doing something that's really improving the planet it's not killing people slowly so I kind of like booze and cigarettes I'm very proud of of what we do and the yeah. and the projects that we've been we've been associated with and mm-hmm. that's it's a really good feeling with the science behind it you didn't just sell something that got put somewhere because someone thought it was pretty you know Spartina if you, it looks you know it's it's not like a striking flower like cardinal flower or something like that it's it's a functional plant that we need in our in our uh title si- uh title mm-hmm. system so i'm i'm happy with with what we've been able to accomplish and how it's grown over the years and who knew i'd like to say that uh several of our customers share that same love of the environment and love for mm-hmm. restoration i'm not going to mention all the names but bob and bill and mm-hmm. ed and griff 
Those are people that really share the same feeling yeah. for the environment that we have, and I'm proud to know those guys, and they've been a big part of our business. You know, and it, it's you can't help but to think if, if Pinelands Nursery hadn't become as large as it had, would there be as much need in restoration? Like if you were able to meet the need, like, I don't know, would some of these jobs have occurred if Pinelands Nursery didn't exist or if Pinelands Nursery didn't grow the way it grew to be able to meet some of this demand? I think they would. You I think, think so? That, I think, think it would have evolved to that. Yeah, the nurseries will respond to the demand. Okay. All right. Awesome. All right. So we always give everyone one final thought. You could, it can be anything. I should have saved what I just said for my for th- final thought. thought. Whatever. I'll come <laughs> me, up with another one. Dang, me too. <laughs> All right. Suzanne, you go. My final thought is to congratulate Tom for okay. making me a grandmother, and I know you're going to be a great dad. Thank you. Awesome. Go ahead. I guess my favorite thought is just the uh, wonderful people that we have working at Pinelands Nursery. We've got some terrific people here that are very uh, competent at what they do and also just wonderful people. And Fran. <laughs> and, Fran <laughs> and Fran. All right. I'm going to let you go last, Tom. So I'll just say I'll also I'll welcome you to the world of being a dad. It's, it's, it changed my life for the best forever, and it's one of the things I'm, I'm most proud about because my most growth in any part of my life has been through my children. Mm-hmm. So without them, I don't know where i'd be because <laughs> yeah. i was a mess before my kids so I'm, I'm thankful that they turned that around for me so uh congratulations and welcome to being a father and uh i'm just again it couldn't be more pleased that this is the path that my or the career path that i that was chosen for me i don't even know if i necessarily it wasn't thought out that i wanted to be in this part of the industry but now that i'm here i can't imagine being in any other industry or part of an industry than what we're doing right now it's i i probably experienced more professional growth here than than any of the previous years so and i'm you know i'm thankful for that and i'm thankful for the opportunity thank you yeah i guess for me is we kind of talked about a lot today but we pilots nurse is a family business and specifically it's my family but uh just about everyone else who works here is is part of that well everyone who works here is part of that family some of them longer than others but like if Paul, who we mentioned before, has been here for nearly 30 years. So basically, as almost as long as I've been alive, Susan's been here a long time. Even Fran, you've been here yeah. 13, 13 years. 13 years now, yeah. So a big chunk of my life, you've been a, a part yeah. of that. And, uh, and I'm really lucky to be able to bring a, a child into that community. Um, not just to have both grandparents within, or both sets of grandparents within 15 minutes, but to have a bunch of other people who are going to be looking out and keeping my kid out of trouble and and we all maybe did, getting my kid into trouble <laughs> you know and, and i kind of mentioned it earlier we all like each other we mm-hmm. all communicate outside of work or hang out outside of work and uh you know we do look out for each other paul has come to my house to help me with with things that i needed help with in my house and you know i've i've done things for other people so it's 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 nice to know that you have that network of people that have your back like family it's even though we don't always get along we like each other but we don't always get along (laughs) it happens so all right well with that uh we want to thank everyone for joining us again um we really hope you enjoy listening and learn a little bit more about pineless nursery and my parents Don and suzanne uh and yeah really we like i say it every time we really appreciate everyone taking the time it's uh you don't always get an hour where you can just kind of well your time's valuable. You, 
but you're choosing to spend it with us and, and we really appreciate you're that. making a conscious choice to listen to us you're not just turning on a radio dial and mm. we're on or a tv dial and we're on you're mm. you're choosing to spend time with us so we appreciate that uh Along with listening to us, you can follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery. You can follow us on Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Pinelands Nursery, YouTube at Pinelands Nursery, and let's not forget about the brand new Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. Let's keep the conversation yeah. going. Yeah, we've been seeing a lot of good stuff pop up in that group, and it's growing and growing, and we're, we're hoping that it can become uh, another form of that symposium where we have the experts and, and people wanting to learn, engaging in, in one friendly spot and and it's nice to see people that we don't know only through that yeah becoming friendly with other people mm-hmm. like that this is bringing people together so and we're we're very thankful for that so you can listen to the native plants healthy planet podcast directly at www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com you can also check us out at podbean itunes spotify google play stitcher tune in iheart radio youtube or you can just say like Yes, uh, man. I always every time, that one every, I was waiting. I was like, "Is he gonna? Can he get you through can it?" Just ask Alexa to play you. the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast. Uh, we should be shooting up the Apple charts now that that Joe Rogan's gone. Yes, <laughs> yes, that that should help us. <laughs> uh, thanks again for tuning in, everybody. I'm Tom, and I am Fran. Thanks again, everyone. We will see you next time, and until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.